Better be fucking good or I'm going to get Daz back on you. <laughs> Hello there listeners and welcome to another episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast, a show where the jokes are cheap and the hosts are even cheaper. I'm Nicholas Polaki and as always I am joined by my best man and worst friend, Mr. Mitch Bouchard. Mitch, how the hell are you, mate? Good, man. I don't know how to start. Where do I start with that intro? I mean, um, uh, cheap. Uh, yeah, okay, talking to talking about yourself there, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> worst Always. friend. Worst friend. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks very much. Worst friend, but best man. So. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, that's a good point. I don't think we've told everyone that. I was your best man at your wedding over in the US. Only man. Only man. <laughs> There's <Yeah>. a caveat. <laughs> <laughs> one of two people there <laughs> yeah dude all good over here uh nothing really to update you on just still living the space i dream uh it's kind of good actually i've been kicking around a, a few distilleries now that i've got a bit of time so going around shaking hands kissing babies you know or wait a minute is it nice. kissing kissing babies and shaking hands or shaking babies and kissing hands i don't know one of the two I'm doing one of them anyway, so. <laughs> Kissing babies. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, man? What have you been up to? All good, all good. It's been a crazy busy week out here. American Super Bowl just wrapped up yesterday. So that was something that a lot of people were kind of being a part of here. Um, I got a really nice note, actually, from a listener called Lauren Smith, who reached out to say that he loves listening to the show and he's way to work. And he works in the whiskey packaging business for uh, Flanders. So I just went to personally reach out and go like, thanks, man. Uh, it makes a difference when people come out, I think, and say, hey, how's it going? We really enjoy what you're doing. So drive safe. Thanks for all the people and the unsung heroes of the whiskey world like yourself who don't work directly in the whiskey world and distilleries, but who work not directly from packaging, logistics, back of house, catering, cleaning crews, office teams, legal, finance. Well, maybe not the legal and finance teams. But <laughs> joking aside, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you keep the wheels moving and we appreciate each and every one of you. So Mitch, you. I'm really excited about today's show because we're going to cover two of my favourite things, whiskey myths and funny stories. So this is an opportunity for us to share some of the banter that you hear around the distilleries, plus debunk or maybe even just enjoy some of the myths that surround whiskey and the folks who make it. That's right, mate. Yeah, looking forward to this one. Uh, you know, we're both known for being story storytellers or yarn spinners. I think you come under the yarn spinners more than I do. He exaggerates a little bit, everyone, just to let you know. <laughs> but I think it's it's great because there there's so many amazing stories out there, and uh, you know, along the the years we've we've gathered quite a few of them. So that's what we're going to chat about today. And whether that's about people, the place, drams, or just something you'd expect to hear from a fable passed down over the years and centuries that we've been making whiskey here in Scotland. So I'll kick things off, Mitch, if you don't mind. Uh, I'll start with a little myth. Well, I don't, we don't really know if it's a myth or if it's a truth, but around Highland Park and the wonderful Magnus Jonsson. Mm. And there's a lot of stories around this man who was basically stashing whiskey casks and hiding stuff and all the usual things that go with illicit distilling and, and kind of getting your distillery up and running. But basically, the story goes that the customs and excise man was on his way to Kirkwall. And as he was on the boat journey, uh, and when he landed into, into Orkney, uh, 
the 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 story quickly spread to Magnus uh, at Highland Park, and he had to quickly figure out a way to stash and hide the whiskey barrels that they were illegally making. And the way that he did this was basically to go to the church in which he worked, stack the barrels uh, in, in a manner, and then cover them with a cloth. They then put a coffin on top of the barrels, and as the as the tax and excise man stuck his head into the the the, the doors of the the church, uh, Magnus started to give some type of eulogy over the coffin, saying that the man had died of smallpox. To which the tax and customs man quickly made his way out and couldn't get off the island quick enough. So we, we, there's not really any way to debunk these stories, though, is there? I, I love that one. I've told that one a few times. I think it's it's brilliant. It's just, you know, and you go up to these islands of Scotland and you you know it's such a small community. You can totally understand how an excise officer, you know, would just tell one person on that ferry, like, oh, I'm an excise officer. I'm going to see what's going on. I'm after this guy, Magnus, and blah, blah, blah. And then it just <laughs> spreads to him before the guy can even get up to 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 where he's uh where he's making his whiskey because he was a he was a minister right and this yeah this was yeah. a church wasn't it is that, that yeah that's what you said yeah kind yeah so he was a minister of the church which you know which is perfect right isn't it to to take that moral high ground you shouldn't be yeah. doing this you shouldn't be doing that whilst meanwhile he's you know slinging out his hooch from from underneath the pulpit I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell a couple of stories, if I may, based around this whole excise officer uh, theme that we've got going on, I suppose. And for those that haven't heard about what an excise officer is, basically they were employed by the government to make sure that no whiskey was being stolen within distilleries at the time. So they were employed. They were very well looked after. They were given a house. Uh, they were kind of like the, the sort of VVIP employee, if you like, at the distillery. Um and, you know, I, I've met quite a few people now that have actually worked at distilleries when the excise officer was there. And interestingly enough, a lot of them say that these guys used to drink more than the guys that worked there. Uh, so they were kind of all over it as well. Interestingly enough, I got told by my good friend, Dennis McBain, who you know, Nicholas, as well, up at yeah. uh, Balvenny. He said that, you know, the guys actually used to make quite a lot of noise. They used to whistle. They used to cough a lot when they were going around the warehouses just to kind of give these guys a little bit of notice that they were going to come around the corner in case they were stealing some whiskey. Now, one of the other stories that I heard about this was, I, I mean, the, you have to remember, these guys were incredible with when it came to, to what they, I suppose the lengths that they went to to steal their whiskey, right? And um, to give you an idea, at Balvenie, when you go, if, if you've ever, be, ever been to Balvenie, you know the still house has the spirit safe and the steps that go down uh, to the still house, to the, to the actual stills. So Dennis, again, this was, this was one of his stories. He told me that the, the glass cracked on the spirit safe one day. So <laughs> when they got the person in to replace the glass, they asked for it to be about an inch shorter on each side of the spirit safe. And the reason for this was so that they could then slide the glass to the side, put in a small hose and steal some of the new make. Now, Dennis never did that, he says, you know, hence the reason he's still at the distillery. But uh, this went on for years and years. And they only got caught because the excise officer's officer was walking up the steps and he tripped on the top step and went to steady himself by putting his hand on the glass and it pushed the glass 
And he went, oh, no, that's not good. We, we need to get that fixed. And that ended all their stealing at Balvenie uh, for doing brilliant. that. So absolutely genius way of getting their whiskey, you know, and, and it shows the lengths that they went to. <laughs> that is banging. That's absolutely banging. So I've got a pretty... that. This is the kind of story that you're going to go, that sounds like absolute bullshit, and I'm going to Google it. And it's you, basically, because <laughs> I'm telling you, so this is a true story. Uh, so, you know, as it's been discussed many times now, or every episode I'm on now, so for the five, six episodes I've, I've currently done, uh, I'm from Dumbarton, and the Ballantines Whiskey Distillery uh, is 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 uh, the largest grain whiskey distillery was in in Dumbarton at the time, and the warehousing which is still there today is in a little area of Dumbarton called Dumbuck. Now, basically, in order to stop people stealing whiskey, and which was obviously happening, you know, people coming around the warehouses. You think it's bad with people who work at the distilleries? Think about the people who don't work at the distilleries, but know that there's tons of uh, aging warehouse mature stock. Right. So basically, in 1959, in order to protect the barrels, uh, Ballantines bought a hundred geese, and these they were they were Japanese geese. Swear to God, that were brought in, and the guard geese, and they were basically sprawling over 14 acres of warehouses and basically the story goes and the true that there was security guards and and uh, initially security guards with alsatian dogs and it was very very expensive for them to uh, protect and kind of look over uh, the space but there was a civil engineer in charge of the site called brigadier ronald cohen and he was a like an avid bird watcher and he basically went to the managing director tom scott of ballantines and said look I've got an idea. Nobody can keep eyes on the prize here. I think we should bring in these geese. So they started to put on a very specific, you know, the, the, the diet of the grass around the warehouse and the grains of the distillery would feed the geese. And it was a much cheaper, more efficient way to do it. So they brought in these, these geese who right up until, like, I'm not even joking, this went on until 2012. So this isn't even like a, a, a story. I'm not even joking. Isn't that fantastic? That up until 2012, uh, the, the 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 job of security guard was taken on by by geese. So there you go. Dude, I I, I can imagine that because geese are vicious bastards. They'll they'll, they'll, they'll pick your they balls are. off. They are <laughs> notoriously in the bird world. All of I mean, they have the all the other birds hate them. They always talk about them on Twitter. <laughs> oh, come on. I got attacked by a swan once on a paddleboard. I was paddleboarding in California and I had my headphones on and I felt something like hit my leg and I didn't realize. And I looked behind and it was a swan that had literally just attacked me. A black one with a red bill. Fucking crazy. A black anyway, swan. Black swan. Yeah. Black swan. There playing in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, Back to whiskey, away from the bird world. I love this story. This was given to me from the ex-distillery manager at Blair Athol. And he told me about, it was it was back in the dramming days, you know, when yep. uh, everyone got three drams every day. And we're talking about a solid two ounces of new make spirit that they'd gulp down in a one-er. And it was a it was a guy who was one of the the, the stillhousemen, and and basically he was drinking so much 
that he got moved to become the groundskeeper because they had to just get him away from all the booze. So he was now looking after the gardens at Blair Athol. So one day he uh, they, they got a new lawnmower and it was a petrol lawnmower uh, for, you know, to obviously cut the grass. I don't know what they had before that, but, you know, this was that long ago when the whole petrol lawnmower thing was was a new new invention. So he starts <laughs> you were the with lad. This, Yeah, I was a lad. I remember that when I had to go and cut the grass with my teeth. Um, <laughs> he... He starts on this lawnmower, right? And typical guy, you know, guys like not to be, not to be sexist here. It doesn't doesn't matter because I'm a guy and you're a guy. But I think guys, as a general rule, we don't ever read instructions. I don't no. anyway. I'm like, let's just let's, we'll we'll get on with this. We'll do it. So anyway, this guy doesn't read the instructions on the new petrol lawnmower, and he starts it starts it up. It's all good. But if for those that have have, have uh, worked a petrol lawnmower before, you know, it's got like a, a speed control. He didn't realize this. And supposedly the lawnmower just started getting quicker and quicker and quicker until he's literally like running down the gardens. And it, for those that have been to Blair Athol, you know, it's right on the main road coming into Pit Lockery. So at this point, this guy is literally <laughs> running around the gardens with the petrol lawnmower. And there's a, a huge queue of like a, a big, big group of people that's gathered just watching him, pissing themselves laughing. He didn't know how to turn it off. It just can it kept getting quicker and quicker until it eventually ran out of petrol. And this is the best bit. It stopped, it ran out of petrol, and he just turned around and went, there, I fucking told you how to do it, didn't I? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so speaking about funny whiskey stories, this actually happened to me, so I thought I'd share this one with you. Uh, it goes back to Orkney as well, funnily enough. Uh, so I'm up at Highland Park visiting the, the the fantastic team there. I've been been to see a few distilleries actually. We've been to Scapa that day. We've been to Highland Park and, and drank quite a few drams. And we ended up back in Kirkwall at the hotel and then went to the round the corner to go to the local pub. And there's probably about 15 or 20 of us at the time. You know, Jerry Tosh is there. The late mm. great Jason Craig was with us, and just a really good group of people from all around the world that kind of travelled in. It was a, it was a brilliant laugh. But then, which sometimes happens, and uh, a, a group of tourists came in from America, or, or Canada, but we're going to say America. I think more Canadians are much more polite and much more quiet. <laughs> but the, the Americans came in and came in on full force. They did. There was probably only about seven or eight of them, but couldn't have been louder. Just a little obnoxious. Maybe had too much to drink for the day. And the bartender was having absolutely none of it. Like, he was just like, fuck this, basically. So rang the bell. This was about 9.30 at night. Rang the bell for last orders. Like, right, we're closing up. Last orders, blah, 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 blah. And everybody's like, what? The Americans are like, I can't believe this bar shuts down. And blah, 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 like, whatever. So true form, everybody finishes their drink. Everybody puts their glass at the bar. Bartender walks everybody out the door, locks the door. The Americans go one direction. The rest of the pub, all kind of 15, 20 of the locals and, and, and others that work at the distillery, walk around the block, come back, in, and the guy opens up the pub again, and we all come back in and start drinking. <laughs> so rather than just tell, yeah, rather than telling the Americans, like, get out of here. Like, who wants a headache of having to deal with people like you're being too loud or you're too drunk? So he just closed the whole pub, and everybody knew. So it must be a regular occurrence, because everybody knew what to do. He just walked the block, back in the door, straight back to having a dram or two. That's amazing. <laughs> so i'm gonna tell it's not really a story it's more i suppose a myth or 
I don't know, fact, I suppose, but it's all about um, the spelling of whiskey. And, you know, it's a question that as ambassadors, we get asked a lot or we got asked a lot. And it's quite an interesting one. So you look at how whiskey is spelt with an E without an E around the world, right? And yep. as a general rule, what I used to tell people was if it has E in the name of its country, the way it spells their country name, chances are it will have it in the way it smells. It spells its whiskey. Uh, so examples of that, America has E, uh, Ireland has an E in the way they spell it, Scotland, no E, Japan, no E. There's, a, there's one exception, and there might be another because there's so many new world whiskies out there now, but the one exception I can think of to the rule is Wales. They kind of screw that whole thing up because they drop the E and they have it in their name. Uh, I'm sure there are other ones, so write in and let us know if you know other exceptions. But as a general rule, that's kind of the way it goes. So why do we have two spellings of the word whiskey? Um, basically, it comes down to the Irish. Originally and traditionally, the Irish spelt whiskey without the E but they wanted to differentiate themselves from Scotland. So they chucked an E in it. Now you speak to an Irishman, they'll talk about how the Scots are so tight. It's because we wanted to save ink on the way we wrote it. You know, all that kind of good banter that we always have with the Irish. Um, and then when you move to the US, why did the US put an E in it as well? It was, it was the same thing. And, and also you have to remember that a lot of um, Irish knowledge of distilling went over to the US. So they adopted that spelling of it as well. And I think one of the, the exceptions that most people will know to the rule in the US is Maker's Mark, who still drop the E. They, they spell it the Scottish way because they want to have a little bit of a tip their hat to their Scottish heritage. So they spell it the Scottish way. So there you go. If you're wondering as to why there's two spellings of whiskey, that is it. That is pretty cool, Mitch. I actually thought it was because Americans like to cheat at Scrabble. So... <laughs> Putting in that extra, <laughs> that extra point, the extra one it's worth point, three and a triple word score, mate. Aye, triple word score, mate. That all comes back to bite you in the backside. <laughs> so here's a cool little myth that's actually tied to a brand, um, the Dalmore. So for those of you that have ever drank the Dalmore or picked up a, a bottle of Dalmore, you'll know that there's a big stag, like silver stag, right in the front of the bottle, and there's a reason for this. So it dates back to to actually the time of Ka the clan Mackenzie and King. Alexander III, which is if anybody's been to the National Gallery in Scotland, you'll see that this is actually all depicted in Benjamin West's painting called Fury of a Stag. And basically what you'll see there is uh, King Alexander on a horse being charged by a 12-point stag. And the story goes that he was out on a hunting expedition and as he got charged by the stag, uh, a member of Clan Mackenzie kind of stepped in and kind of saved his life. And as a thank you for that, uh, King Alexander awarded the Clan Mackenzie a 12-point stag to put on their family crest, which was a royal emblem at the time, and it was it was kind of gifted to Clan Mackenzie, and they put it in the stag. Fast forward a couple of hundred years, and the Mackenzie family had, had invested in and, and, and owned, at one point, the Dalmore Distillery. And as a way to kind of differentiate their brand and kind of create this kind of iconic logo, Dalmore started to use the 12-point stag as almost like a like a royal warrant, I guess, probably is the best way to think about it. Uh, so it's not actually the fact that Richard Patterson wrestled a deer to the ground because it insulted his moustache, but the fact that it all dates back to the royal warrant of King Alexander giving Clan Mackenzie a stag for their uh, for their for their coat of arms. Nice. Like that one. Like the there you go. Pretty Richard cool, right? Patterson drop in, but I prefer the Richard Patterson story. That's what I tell everyone. <laughs> 
Um, my last story, actually, this came straight from the horse's mouth. So I remember when I was back in my Diageo days, uh, I was doing sampling, actually, and I was in Waitrose, uh, just sampling all the Diageo uh, single malts. And this guy comes up to me and he was like, oh, I used to be the distillery manager on Jura. Uh, and I, I know you've been over there, Nicholas, beautiful part of the world. Uh, you know, it's only, I think population right now is 230 people, very, very small island. And I was like, oh, how is that? He was like, bunch of thieving bastards over there. (laughs) You know, he he was talking, this this was like way back in the day that he used to live there. He goes, I'll tell you what happened. So when he was the distillery manager at Jury, he used to roll the casks out onto the pier. They left them there overnight. And then the, the the boats, the puffers used to come in the next day, pick them up and take them back to the, the mainland to go into the warehouses to mature. He got a call yep. from the um, from the guys at the warehouse on the mainland saying, asking him why he was only filling certain casks half full at certain points in the month. So they were receiving these half full casks. He's like, well, we're not doing that. We're filling everything up full. He then worked out that this was only happening when it was a full moon. So when the tide was was really high, because then the locals could get a boat and they could go under the pier drill through the pier into the cask, pull half of the liquid out, put a bung back in again, uh, and then just take their whiskey and off they went. So a great story, almost almost relating to what you were talking about, about how the locals would go out of their way to steal some whiskey. I love that. I love that. (laughs) You know, Scotland's got a, a rich history of inventors and people that do stuff. But there's almost nothing more creative than the the weird and wonderful ways that the Scottish community have come together to find ways to steal whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think a great example that you've watched Angel share before with our our good friend Charlie McLean on there. Uh, that's indeed, such a indeed. a great story about how they went about that whole idea of stealing that whiskey from from that cask. Yeah, so I so I've got another, I've got another wee story for you here. So this is a, a one that probably comes back to. I want to warn people now that if they're eating something or if they're in a meal, probably best to put it to the side just until I get through this story. So this is a, a story that goes back to when I worked at McAllen, and basically there was a, a new kid that was brought in, and he was you know, first time working in a distillery, didn't really know the parts of the process. You know, he was just kind of walking around, and. They were, you know, they're walking them through, you know, here's, here's the, the mash tons and here's, here's all the processes. And when they get to the wash back, you know, here's where we're adding a yeast that ferments where we can basically we're making beer here, you know, it's kind of like Blue Moon. And the guy was like, oh, does it taste like beer? I was like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, when it's everybody's first day, they actually get a glass of, of this for, for free, you know, you get to drink a pint of it. And he was like, oh, that's fantastic. So they duly, you know, pulled out a, 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 a glass with the, the beer, which is, as you know, Mitch, very yeasty and uh, it's, it's not, it's not unpleasant, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to do things to your body that you probably wish it didn't if you had too much of it. So this kid proceeded to down the glass of beer and was quite proud of himself. And then, you know, four or five minutes into the, the walk around, his stomach starts to gurgle. You know, he starts to do a little bit of the man dance from one foot to the other, hopping around. And eventually he realizes, wait a minute here, all the yeast that was in that beer is about to explode his intestines and, and all the rest of it and make sure that he flushes through his, uh, well, you know, as you would do, flush through your, your bowels. And as he rushed to the bathroom to relieve himself, the guys at the distillery burst out laughing because they've hidden all the toilet paper. So in the first day of this guy's job, basically he crapped his pants and then uh, 
didn't have any way to clean himself up. So there you go. Pretty disgusting. <laughs> Pretty disgusting indeed. I see why he put the warning on not eating anything. Um, I, I think also, let's chat about, you know, just they're all great stories, mostly from me. Um, but let's talk about... Uh, <laughs> let's talk Hi, about... Well done. <laughs> let's talk about this sort of crackers of myths that we heard, like really punchy ones here. You know, one, I, I remember um, when I first started with Diageo, and it was an old guy in the pub who started telling me how much peat adds colour to the whiskey from the war. You know, it's like, aye, <laughs> very good. There's all these kind Maybe of things. Maybe it's his I, mate, his mate Pete that works at the blending <laughs> house. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> but it's funny because I, I don't hear it as much anymore, but I always, I don't know about you, but when I first started, it was all the old boys that told me all these stories. And then I was like, all right, yeah. And then I find out that a lot of it was bullshit. Um, you know, like, and, and again, this kind of relates to the old school, I think, but so you must drink it neat or if you are going to oh. add water you have to use the same water source from which it was made Bullshit. you know like that's a classic one that's always out there the classic myth that needs debunked um the stills the stills are always a funny one right like i've heard it on so many tours like oh yeah the still shape needs to be exactly the same and even to the point where if there was a dent in the still that they put if they got a new still put in they put that same dent in it i mean that's like come on it's about too really? much it's yeah. a bit too much <laughs> the water and ice one always annoys me because it's all there's always someone with an opinion on it telling you how to drink your whiskey. Yeah, yeah. And when you get into it, it's really it's a chemical reaction. You know, it's it, and it, you know you, you know yourself, Mitch. You know, it's it's one of those ones that you want to. Unless someone's buying it for you, nobody gets to dictate how they're going to you're going to be drinking it and enjoying it. So the best way is the way that you like it the most. All right, mate. Should we get on to some news? A little bit, yeah, absolutely. And we've got some banging news to talk about, to be fair. Uh, the, 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 the news is out on Scotch whiskey and exports, and mm. Scotch whiskey sales, for the first time ever, have surpassed £6 billion in sales. Absolutely insane. I mean, insane. When I looked at... So this is the official figures from the Scotch Whiskey Association that have just been released, right. and... Everything is looking so good for Scotch whiskey right now. Um, yeah, I mean, first time that that figure has been exceeded. All the major markets are up. Uh, you know, unbelievable figures. Talk about the US, Nick, but from where you are, and, and good job on doing this, but it's up by 30, 33% in value. Uh, US yes. is still the, the number one market by value. But then, interestingly enough, you've got two columns here that they show. Uh, one of them is value, and the other one is volume. And we've always talked about France being number one in volume. That has now been superseded by India, which is insane. But it's the jump, Mitch. In one year, since 2021, India's volume has jumped by 60%. Right. What the fuck is going on in India? <laughs> how whiskey, how bad is life getting where you're drinking 60% more scotch whiskey? <laughs> is it is this good news or bad? Like, are people celebrating or are they commiserating? What are your thoughts? <laughs> I don't know, mate. I don't know. I mean, I, I need to dig into this a little bit more. I know there's always been an issue on um, the tax with, with scotch whiskey there. Uh, so I don't know if there's been... That tax has been deep. I know it's five hundred percent. I don't know if that's wow. come down. I know there was constant uh, chat with the Scottish government and the, the Indian government on bringing that down. So I need to look and see if that has actually come down because that seems like there's a there's a big shift there. But I, I also think as well, you know, speaking from to to my good friend Angad, who's the 
uh, Glenfiddich ambassador over in, in India. He says there's definitely that lifestyle shift over there. Yep. And there's a lot more people wanting to drink Scotch whiskey and to be seen drinking Scotch whiskey. So that I don't know mm. if that would account for 60% by volume, though. I mean, that is insane. It is insane. But thanks. Thank you, India. Uh, for yeah, all yeah, that yeah, you're yeah, doing. Totally. Yeah, we appreciate you and we love every every aspect of that. The thing that I thought was really cool is very much if you look at the, the top 10 markets by value. So this is how much money has been spent on Scotch whiskey. Obviously, United States, biggest uh, whiskey market for Scotland, topping, you know, just over a billion dollars of that. So, you know, one sixth of the value is, is coming from uh, the United States. Then you've got the usual suspects. So you've got France, Singapore, Taiwan, India, and China. And then on number seven on the list, you've got Panama. Again, the question needs to be asked, what is going on in Panama? 165% growth in Panama. <laughs> it's worth 203 million pounds. That's fantastic. So if anyone is drinking a load of Scotch whiskey in Panama, uh, and can let us know who they are and, and you know, call in. We'll get you on the show next week. Or if Absolutely. there's anyone, anyone listening from Panama and can tell us what is happening over there, it would be greatly appreciated. I I, I, I mean, I don't know. Is it a trade route? Is it a new trade route that, that started up for, for the East? You know, obviously you've got the Panama Canal going on there, but that's not going to account for a load of whiskey sales. No, it's not. So that again, I, I'd love to see like where the data is and this, like what is going on in Panama that's made it jump. Uh, but the other statistic that really stuck out with me, Mitch, is this, that 53 bottles of Scotch whiskey is exported every second. Mm -hmm. Insane, right? And that, Insane. and that is up from last year, which it was, it was 44 bottles per second last year. So yep. incredible. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of happy with that. How, how does that make you feel? I'm I'm really excited about it. Like every time I see, you know, obviously we're so proud of of what we can achieve in Scotland with our whiskey, and it's a it's a, a like I said almost at the start of this show, you know, it's it's a massive thank you to all the people who make the cogs and the wheels turn. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone for drinking it as well. Correct. Um, <laughs> it's it's great. Well, in other news, like we've got, we've gone from massive news to. Uh, well, kind of. I suppose this is massive news. Our friends at Port of Leith have just released their first new whiskey called uh, Perpetuity, which I quite like the name of. Like the graphics are really nice. cool. Um, so I am going to pick up a bottle very shortly. I'm a big fan of these guys. So we had Ian Sterling on the show before, and Ian talked about the new distillery they're building down in Leith, which is going to be um, vertical distillation. So they basically, it's not a new thing. It's just that they didn't have enough room to build a distillery. So literally, it's the, the, the whole distillation process is starting from the top and, and coming all the way down. Uh, they're not far off now, I don't think. I've kind of been uh, watching their, their pictures that they're posting on, on Instagram. And uh, the distillery looks pretty close to coming to life, which is exciting to see something happening down in Leith. Uh, you know, along with the, our boys with uh, with Woven down there, but this is actually going to be a distillery. Really cool bottle with um, with what they've released. Obviously, it's not theirs because they don't have anything yet, but they've gone for this kind of wine-style bottle uh, with this caricature on it. Uh, and the story, so this is a blended whiskey that they've brought out. Now, I'm going to read this off really quickly. They've got 21.9% uh, Glen Tochter's in there. They've got some North British single grain, They've been very compass box about this with, with saying exactly what's gone into the, the mix here. 
Brendan will be happy because 23.9% of it is Deanston. Uh, and then waxy. another 30, yeah, waxy indeed. And then uh, 32% <laughs> from North British, but Virgin Oak this time. So very cool. I'm interested to give this a taste and we'll, we'll be talking about this on a show in the near future uh, when they send me a bottle. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, <laughs> Mr. Ian Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle as a sledgehammer as always, Mitch. Well done, well played. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm slowly but surely watching that whiskey bar of yours in the background gather speed and, and, and build extensively as I'm sitting here with parched lips waiting for any samples that are ever going to make it over to the United States shores <laughs> for me to enjoy a dram with you. I don't think it's going to happen anytime in the near future, but it is always fun to watch. Uh, whatever, mate. You've got thousands of whiskey sitting behind you. <laughs> a little bit. Well, listen, that wraps up today's episode. That's been fun, man. I've enjoyed yeah, it. Was cool. today. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that was fun. fun. And thank you for everyone listening again. Uh, you know, if you're not on Instagram, if you're not following us on Instagram, I should say, uh, Not Another Whiskey Podcast, get on there, check out our website, notanotherwhiskeypodcast.com, sign up for uh, our newsletter, which we haven't done one in a while because we're kind of always talking about everything on the podcast. But we are going to be uh, talking about live episodes that we will be doing shortly we're getting that all ready to go so sign up there so you can be the first to know about all that kind of good stuff and thank you so much for tuning in until next time slange, slange Bye. Bye.